Hey, what's up, homies? We are back with the special holiday New Year's edition. We kicking back. We getting comfortable today. So make sure y'all grab a little cocoa, put a little rum in it, because I heard that's how it gets popping. And we got some things to talk about today. If you're new to the podcast, the Bridge Millennial Podcast, we are the shared perspective of the Bridge Millennial generation, and we talk about culture, media, mental health, and society. Today, though, we're going to be focusing on some new beginning type material because I want everybody to come into the new year strong, not wrong. So um, we're going to have a little special holiday kick it with us by the fire type of situation. Well, first of all, what's good, Rob? Right. Like, it's been a minute. I'm all right. I'm out here in these streets. Um, I'm not in these streets. I'll be in the house. Like, <laughs> I don't be in nobody's streets, but... It's been allergies for me, and it's been killing me. I've been in the urgent care. I've been on all types of medications, and I'm just, like, ready to have this over with. But um, allergies aside, it's been a pretty good time. A lot of new beginnings, a lot of out with the old, in with the new type of situations. Been working on just meditating and just trying to, trying to stay in a positive space because I like to be in a good space when the New Year's roll in. Um, yeah, so that's what's, what's been going on with you. What's happening? How was your show? So the that's technically the last show in the new year or in the old year. Um, we are doing a new year show and the show was great. I retired a solo or retired a costume that I worked extremely hard on. Lots of blood, sweat and tears. And I think the show went really well. So on to the next thing. Um, I have mm -hmm. another performance on Wednesday. So it's definitely like compartmentalizing now that that show is done. Now my mind is on something else and we just gone. We're going to take it day by day. We're going to take it. We're going to take That's it day what's by up. day. Well, congratulations. I wish you definitely the best of luck on this upcoming show and stuff like that. Um, I recently also jumped on a feature with Sister Talk Podcast. So um, we actually had a really good conversation about men's expectations of women and the responsibility of validating a man in a relationship. Um, that was a really juicy conversation. We talked about that for 45 minutes and I was just going off because I was in my bag. <laughs> I, I love was in that. my bag. So I was I was going off, but I definitely, you know, I said what needed to be said for those who needs to hear it. So make sure you guys head over to Sister Talk Podcast. That's sister with two S's, S S Sister Talk. <laughs> you can find them on Instagram as well. But it's always a good time. I love the ladies over there. They are just bundles of just positive radiant energy and really proud of them because they've really been consistent with this for about a year so good good shout out to them i love that because i feel like lately there's been a whole bunch of internet talk about like people have been really hard on women lately like what you looking for in a man is not real yeah i didn't know blah, i didn't like, know that's what it, i didn't know that yo that's, that's what the vibe doing. that's the vibe right now and mm -hmm. like 
that shit has been pissing me off. So I'm really glad that another perspective has been shared because I don't know what the hell is going on. It's like women coming out like, ladies, this is your problem. I'm like, do you even have a man? Like, It's so strange. I didn't know that that's what I've been. Like I said, I told people to just comment down below on the post because I didn't know. I was out of the loop. I'm I'm still very traditional as a guy, but it's not because I'm trying to impress anyone. It's just because those are the standards I hold myself to. So when it comes to validating myself, I can do that. I don't need to measure my personal worth against how someone else is treating me. And that doesn't even make sense to me. But yeah, it, it's been a lot. I actually came across a video it was like one of those uh, circle talks with some blogger and like some socialites. And he was talking about the traditional man and the traditional Roman and women are wrong for expecting this and virginity. It just was, I, I just don't understand how this is a circle. Not virginity. Talk. It was mm. all types of virginity. I wish I could still find it. Um, but um, it's giving yeah, it TI, it's giving really old school like i don't even think that should be a a subject that should be discussed yeah and it's just a bunch of misinformed muchachos just talking and not really saying anything i just it's it's i don't know it reminds me of you know how people just like to have controversial conversation but they don't really have any substance to offer it like those people that just want to be in it like they just like mess so they want to be messy because I'm not hearing any messages in these arguments. I'm just hearing strong and wrong, strong, strong and, wrong. and wrong. I'm not hearing any enlightenment. I'm not hearing any. What I'm hearing is a lot of people being defensive and insecure about themselves, and they're attacking each other. Like I don't. What's the point of this conversation? I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's in this new era of like the comments, the comments, and the like. If it's on Instagram, the comments. If it's on Twitter, the retweets. Like they're in it for the retweets. They're in it for the comments. They are in yeah, it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the they want that wow factor, that clickbait factor, right? But that doesn't really continue the conversation that just is very repetitive. There's mm-hmm. it's like a vicious cycle. So I'm not about that, but y'all check out the sister talk because I'm trying to hear that. I'm trying to hear what Rob has to say. I j- I, I'm going to tell y'all right now, I exposed it. Y'all know that I come from a counseling background and I broke it down and I exposed it. So if you're one of those guys that feel very insecure and shooketh about your manhood is, don't listen to that because you're going to feel real bad about yourself because mm. I told that truth. Hashtag now, trigger. Yeah, it's going to trigger you. It's, it's Hashtag trigger exposed. You. I actually was about to say a little something that I guess we could say here because this is us. You know what I'm saying? Um, I tried to keep it as censored as possible. Sister Talk does have a, um, they're a part of a church family. So I don't really want to be getting crazy, but I'm going to get crazy on here. Okay. Okay, we're going to pull up some Let's clips. get wild. Step into talk. your wild side. What's up? We're going to talk about it. But before I jump into that, did you hear that um, Big Sean just did like a little quick radio interview or something? And he was oh, talking about how Kanye- I saw that. Hold up. You thought you was going to surprise me with the tea, but I saw yeah. that. Wait, and wait, I wait. watched so the whole I'm, thing. I'm actually about to play it now because I want everybody to hear it. So let me just go ahead and play it. Hold on. Me millions. It may not be Kanye. I don't know. Really? But who else owns it? I don't know. I, don't know. I just feel like a trick question. Actually, but I'm in. For actually, trick I'm not even gonna say that because everything I say can be used against me in a court of law. So I'm gonna go ahead and, and it say will. I'm owed six million dollars, and from 
Kanye West's label good music. And that's just what it is. I don't talk about this shit no more, man. So let me ask you. No, let me. I'll give you a clue, and then we get get over this. Okay. But let me ask you. Face to face, man to man. Uh Have you ever just sat down with him and just said, "Yo, look, let me holler at you, pull you to the side, Mm -hmm. no media, no nothing." Yo, yeah, I did the forensic sites. They they came this, this, and this. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. This is what I feel like I'm old. Mm -hmm. You know. No, I have not. Okay. I'll tell you why I haven't. Okay. Because I got so much respect for bro that when we in a vibe, whenever we link, it don't be the appropriate time. And I'm from a city, I'm from a place where I know the appropriate time to address things like that. You know, I know a time, there's a time and place for business. There's a time and place to be creative. There's a time and place, right? And I had that much respect to not bring it up in certain situations and let the business people deal with that shit. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. But if I have a business relationship with one of my homies mm-hmm. and I see him a couple of times and he doesn't address me and then I see him address me in public, mm-hmm. it's almost like, why the fuck didn't you just pull me to the That's side? how I felt. Yeah, so I'm just saying, why didn't you... Once you knew you was old, I'm not saying you're wrong or nothing like that. I'm just mm-hmm. asking, as a, as a, as a, as a person that's outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Once you didn't know that, why you ain't just say, you know, yo, homie, let me talk to you. Because the by the time I found out, the only time I saw him was at Sunday service. Recently, yeah. Wow. Before the interview came out. Before the interview came out, right. and I wasn't about to holler at him at Sunday service. I wasn't about to do that. No, but you did say on Breakfast Club that you felt like he was old. You was old. Since no, I didn't say that. Okay, well, somebody else, somebody else leaked that up. information. I didn't even know it. I didn't. That's what may, actually made me look into the situation more. Mm. Charlemagne must be cool with somebody at Universal who told him, which, by the way, was a wrong number. Right. What did he say? Was, I don't know, but it was the wrong number because it was way more than that. Right. So. I, that wasn't me. That, I think that was another thing. I think I was I was talking that, and I would You can I, see how sometimes a person could think that because they thinking like, "Yo, you was in the studio with Jay. Your man leaked the picture." You know what I'm saying? And then that communication. Yeah, this, this is what I'm saying. You said communication can save the nation. Did you wait, say that? Communication really? is the bridge to salvation that God is holding our hand to walk across. Okay? So, so you you can't see how maybe they thought that like like all right, cool, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, that's very fair. And that's why I don't take very it. Very fair, you. Well, that's why I don't I take it personally. Honesty. I don't respect the honesty. You know why? Shan. Right? Hold on, wait a minute. We might not be. We actually might be on opposite sides on this. So I would love to hear because I'm looking yeah, at your just, facial expressions and they're not just, lining up just, with my facial expressions. I just, we going, we going, we going. If I either. <laughs> if somebody owe me six million dollars, right? There's one of two things that's gonna happen. Either I'm gonna pursue getting my money back, or I'm just gonna get over it and let whatever happens happens. Now it sounds like he was choosing the get over it and let whatever happens happens. Keep it cordial, keep it professional. Don't it disrupt a professional environment, which I get, but. If that's how you feel, why are you bringing it up on the radio? Because, and and this is where I interject, because I, well, number one, Kanye's mouth always 
gets him in trouble. And I feel like as a male Gemini, you got to know when to shut the fuck up sometimes. But this is what I'll say about Big Sean's perspective, because I, I love Sean. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think that I have been in situations where you let a lot of shit slide because that is your homie, because that's the person who put you on, because that is somebody who, you know, business aside, you really fuck with. But when they come out of their mouths, because if you remember, he was also on and what is this show called again? This is called um this this show with drinks. It's like I can't remember what this show is called. Do you remember what this show is called that mm -hmm. he was talking on? I tried it's to look into it. I just came across it like right before we started recording. So I didn't get to do any background digging. It was reposted by a blog, and I'm not sure exactly what the interview itself was. It's called drinks with somebody or something. But anyway, um Kanye went on the show earlier and earlier maybe last month and talked about how he felt like Big Sean was ungrateful because he went independent and I feel like Big Sean probably was like you know what I'm gonna let this slide I'm gonna let maybe let the lawyers handle this or whatever I'm not gonna put my mans out there like that until Kanye came out of his mouth and put them out that put him out like that so because of that, like, he's like, all right, well, fuck it then. And I, I understand that. I honestly understand that where you like, you know what? I was going to keep this under wraps, but, you know, you made it hot. So fuck it. Let's let's go ahead and, and talk about it publicly, because Big Sean also said in another part of that interview that he wasn't going to, you know, confront him publicly about it. But Kanye, like, embarrassed him. He came out, had that interview, and embarrassed him. And you already know what somebody's going to do when they feel embarrassed. My thing is, you got to keep the same energy. If you are going, if you're going in the direction that you're like, you know what, I'm going to keep it professional. I'm going to let the business people handle it. I have respect for this person. I'm not going to make it whatever the situation. If that is your attitude, there's no reason for you to be speaking on it on the show. Like, just move on from it. There was there was no reason because how do you move on is, from six million dollars? No, sorry. no, no. I'm not saying move on from the money. I'm saying on this particular speaking on it on air. What's the point of that? You already said that you've seen him, right? You already said that you're not going to approach him about the money because of the timing or the situations, whatever the case may be. You already said that you're going to let the business people handle it. So why then bring it up? Why not just move past that? Why go into detail? Why have that conversation? Why not keep that same energy of, you know what? I'm going to let the business people handle it. I'm not going to speak on it. If that's how I felt about somebody that owed me money, I don't know if Big Sean could get past $6 million. He has a lot of money. I don't have that money. So you owe me $6 million. That's not something I'm going to get past, but I'm going to make a conscious decision. Okay. Am I going to handle this with media pressure or am I going to just handle it under wraps? One of the two. I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to say, oh, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. And then I blow it up on the interview. Like, that sounds like publicity for me. Like, the, what was the point of that? Either that's your energy or it's not your energy. I felt like he should have just stayed consistent. Now, as far as getting over, nobody, who gets over $6 million? Like, if you're owed $6 nobody. million, dollars, who, who gets over $6 million? But if you're not, if you're not going to approach him, that's and maybe that's my conflict resolution type of situation. If I'm gonna say something on air, it's gonna be something I'm comfortable with approaching you about it. If you did something to me to the point where I'm venting to it on the radio, I'm not gonna say, 
I'm not going to approach you. I have too much respect. If I have too much respect to approach you at an event, then I should also have too much respect to go into that on air. Yeah, but at the same time, it was obviously a reaction. And let's not pretend like respect can't be lost. Respect can be lost. And I feel like the way Kanye put him out there like that, he lost Big Sean's respect, period. And when the respect is lost, then there's no reason why he would have to mince words when he's asked about the money that's owed to him. So that's what I think really that's about. And that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, you know, it's just like if somebody slights, you know, if you're slighted by somebody or somebody wrongs you in any way, it's up to you to, to decide whether you still have respect for this person. And sometimes relationships just have to end and it sucks that it has to end that way. But I think that was Big Sean's way of saying like this relationship is over, you know, and I'm just going to now be honest and tell the truth as opposed to trying to save Kanye's face. Because obviously Kanye did not have that same respect for Big Sean. And I feel like it's also about mutual respect. And I don't think that Kanye had that respect for him. Well, what I will say is that I hope that in the end of the day, I hope this man gets his money. I know that a lot of people, aside from Pusher, who's done music with good music, have not been happy. Tiana Taylor, she did the KTSE album. And, you know, she had an a whole creative vision. Tiana is like a true wraparound artist. She had a whole vision for her album and um, Kanye was just on some back in 2018. He wanted all of everybody on his label to release albums with just seven or eight tracks on it. So the um, music that Tiana wanted to put on the album, he cut it back significantly. And she was like, there were songs that she loved, but it just couldn't fit. Um, and I believe that fell in line with the project that he did around that time as well, which was only a few tracks long. But yeah, after that, a lot of people just kind of was not with it. But Pusha T and Kanye, they've been going, you know what I mean? They've been going strong for a while. And it's just it's just so, I feel bad. I do believe that Kanye is a genius. I do think he is brilliant, but I think that he's misunderstood, but also he is a misunderstanding kind of person. He's misunderstood himself, but he also misunderstands the world severely. And I don't know if that's a signet of his mental health or if that's just his arrogance. I don't know. But I hope that that gets resolved. But most importantly, while I don't agree with the way Sean approached the situation this time in comparison to how he did in the past, I definitely think that that man deserves his six. Give him his money. Give that man his money. Big Sean is a very underrated rap artist. Come on, talk about it. Very talk underrated rap artist, but he I think that's just because he flies off the radar. He's not one of those people that's always in the news. He keeps his business to himself. He's very not isolated, but he's very I'm coming to work. You know what I mean? Like I'm coming to work and I'm coming to do a job. But lyrically, he's very talented. His I don't know. You you won't really catch a bad Sean voice. Not Look, verse, Detroit verse, verse. You won't catch Detroit a bad Sean too. Verse. Detroit too. I bumped that album this year. Let's talk about because this is like our holiday episode for all intensive purposes. And we are at the lunch table, meaning we're just kind of shooting the shit today. Whatever comes out the lunchbox comes out the lunchbox. But Detroit too actually like is one of the albums that really helped me through the pandemic. And what? Really? Like, honestly, you see, I'm, I, I, so I have, friends that went to school with high, high school with him. So I really didn't pay attention to Sean until I started hearing like stories about him from high school. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And then I would like hear that he did this, he did that. And I'm like, okay, so, but people from Detroit are a big Detroit. It's no such thing as I'm a little bit from Detroit. I'm big Detroit. So you kind of get the flavor of that kind of um, culture and stuff like that. So that's what kind of leans me more tw towards giving him a shot and kind of listening to his music and paying attention. But from actually listening to his music, it's like, yo, you are really talented. Like Sean is really, he is his really, really is very fire. Yeah. I didn't realize and until you, you know, you got to listen to the music and give him a chance, but he's definitely underrated. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, for years I was pretty much listening to just big Sean features. I really never even took the chance to listen to his album tracks. So Detroit too. And I'm not sure what it, exactly was that made me listen to Detroit too but as you know I'm a big Janae fan and you know Janae and Sean are together mm -hmm. so you know he would be all up on her tracks and I'm like okay these verses are kind of hot let's let's actually see what Detroit too is talking about and I absolutely loved it and I'm not even one to really listen to an entire rap album it's very rare for me just because I'm a dancer and I lean more towards either dance tracks pop or R&B which my singer side mm -hmm. is attracted to but I don't know. Detroit too touched me in a different way. And I just feel like he's definitely like giving, he's a woke artist, a quote unquote woke artist. If you really listen to some of his lyrics, like, I mean, wow. So Big Sean, we do love you. Kanye, we love you as well. We hope that, you know, y'all squash the beef. We hope that Sean gets his six mil because nobody gets over six mil. That's six. You know, you don't, no, of course. You don't, you get, don't over get over that. Over. Personally, I don't respect or not. I I think Sean should have approached him. I think he should have been talking about it on the radio. Um, I think is is that's a lot. I don't know that I could be around somebody socially who owes me six million dollars and not bring it up or not be like, can we step to the side and have a conversation about this? Or I'll contact your people. We're gonna set up a a brunch. We're gonna have to because this is two thousand eighteen. I mean, but Kanye is unpredictable. He's unpredictable. So I feel like Sean trying to be respectful and not bringing it up at Sunday service, which is Kanye's thing. Oh, yeah, of course. You is... don't bring it up at Sunday service. No, I'm so definitely I, yeah. not there. But within the, t in, within the time, there has you, you, we got to talk. Like, come on, we gotta. Yeah, but I also think that it's this mentality for rappers that like money ain't a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Bling, bling, money ain't yeah, a thing. I but actually, it is. But, but actually, money is a thing. And so maybe it's not I as big could... of a thing when you got it and you making it like that. You know, maybe six know million. Necessarily true, though. Maybe six million is just a good night for him. Like, maybe six million is not worth. I mean, it's significant, but it's not worth. Stuff, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe six million to him is like six hundred dollars. Like, mm, okay. I, I, I highly that, doubt you know? that. I highly doubt that because I feel like when you have money, you have more reason to hold on to it because you never know what's going to happen. So I'm not exactly sure that. I mean, six million to us obviously is not the same thing as six million to them. But the dollars are the dollars. The money does not lie. People do, but money doesn't. So, well, but look, anyway. Sean, go get your money. Go get your money, Sean. I'm here for Kanye, you. run him. Get that check. man. Get that man. Run this name Motown. Come on, Kanye. You know better. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you knock on TLC him. Give that man his money.
And we know that anything money related and dollar related, I mean, that's pretty much public record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't really get around that. Well, so, it's public record based on what's reported. Right. Based on based on what's reported. But once that number is out there, it's out there and it can be confirmed is, I guess, what more what I mean. It, once that once the number is out there, it can be confirmed if it's true or not. And like he said, Charlemagne obviously knew something he didn't. So it was out there. That's true. But it was like he said, it was way more. It wasn't properly reported because I'm sure what what was available to Charlemagne was what was available to the public. But I'm sure him going back into the, you know, into where he needs to go into finding out that there's way more actually that wasn't reported. And maybe the reporting is the reason why money is owed. I don't know. I don't know. When it comes to people's specific finances business, I do mind my business. But what I will say is go get your money. Like, that's on a... Okay, what we have... What Hold we've on, got Rob. In... Hold on, Rob. We're going to have to cut this part out. Hold on. Okay. You about to go up there? I can't hear you. You're on mute. You could hear them, right? I didn't. Okay. You about, about to go to, up there? One more time. One more time. Hold on. Oh, Hold on. y'all. Okay, so Sham upstairs. She got these Hold college on. roommates upstairs. And um, earlier no, I'm today, cutting, we... I'm cutting this out. No, no you're not. No, you yes, not. no, you Hold not. No, you not. Hold on. No, you... I'm cutting this out. Hold on. You better not. She better not cut this out, y'all. So she got these college roommates, and well, not roommates. She lives in the building, but she lives under these college kids, and I guess they treating things like it's a dorm, so they turned up or whatever. So before we started recording, we was doing our sound check and everything, and they were really loud. And I thought they was in the apartment with her. She was like, no, that's upstairs. So she banged on that door. She's like, boom, 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 boom. Like, OD banging. Like, something could have came falling down, like, London Bridge banging. Um, Tell me why. <laughs> Y'all, tell me why. <laughs> tell me why they bang back. <laughs> How you bang on the on the floor? Hold on, hold, oh, she muted it so we can't even hear. I'm so mad at her, but she <laughs> they banged back on the floor, so <laughs> they didn't pipe down. So she was then she started like drilling on this, like boom, 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 and she was like, "Shut the fuck up, keep it the fuck down." I'm calling the police, and then I guess they was saying some wild shit back, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm complaining." I will call the police. Don't make me come up there. Like she was wilding. I was like, oh, it just was giving all the business. So now I guess they still making noise. So she going up there and I wish she didn't mute her microphone so we could actually hear like what is going down because it's probably getting crazy out there. But yeah, man, respect y'all neighbors, y'all. Like if y'all out there, don't be making all that crazy noise. Or if you know you about to go make some noise, just, like, let somebody know. Like, if I know that I'm about to be doing something, I would I give my neighbors a heads up. Because you don't want to deal with the complaints, but you also do want to be considerate. But I guess to these kids, they're, like, you know, in the early 20s, they probably think it's a dorm situation. I know Shannon lives in a college city, but she's not having it, y'all. And I just can't wait for her to come back and tell me what is going on. But yeah, if y'all just, you know, and this is something to note for the holidays, like don't, 
don't do that. Anytime that I'm going to have a function or something, I usually let my neighbors know like a couple of days in advance. Be like, hey, you know, on this so-and-so day, we're going to be having a party at my house from this time to this time. Just letting you know. Um, here's my number if there's any issues. You know, because why would you not do that on the off chance that somebody's going to call the police on you? That's like corny. But Shannon got nuck if she bucked. The ATL came out of her voice real hard, and she just got straight up on these people. I'm just like, ooh. But I'm mad the mic is on mute because now we can't see what's going on. And she better not edit this out. If she edit this out, I'm going on live, and I'm going to tell y'all anyway. Oh, she coming back. She coming back, y'all. Act like we didn't say nothing. Um, I'm cutting this out, but I no! I definitely said no, something. you can't meet. No, me and best friends was having conversations. I was telling them all the business about what had happened, like no. with them upstairs. So what did what happened when you went up there? Well, first of all, the dude had an attitude, but he was like being as though this is the first time you've come up here. Like, don't come up here with an attitude. But my whole thing is, it's like, it's every Sunday. Every single time we record the podcast, this is a thing. They are screaming every Sunday. He's like, it is not every Sunday. I know what I hear. It has been every Sunday that we have recorded. It has been a thing. It was last Sunday and it was a Sunday before that. Every single Sunday, I already know what to expect. Not with so, him acting like he wasn't getting crazy, like... A right. half hour ago talking about banging back. Like that's what I'm saying. I and told my whole the thing is, like, is like, but my whole thing is is like this is not a dorm. You have to be cognizant of your other neighbors. I shouldn't yeah. have to come up here. I shouldn't have to come up here. This you is not your door? house. You Did you go in? Oh, I, like a police, <laughs> like the police. This is not your house. This is not your house. This is an apartment building, period. I said, I don't want to have to call, call the police. I'm not that girl, but I will because it's a noise disturbance. You're screaming at the top of your lungs from 4, from 3 p.m. to like 8, 9, 10 p.m. Like, it's not okay. That is not okay. I don't want to suck the joy out of your lives, but that's not okay. You never know what people are doing in here. I told them, yeah. I said, I'm, re I'm recording a podcast and I can hear you on the podcast, period. But anyway, so we need to segue. Let's All right. Segue. You better not Let's take that out neither. Let, yes, if I will take be taking out, that I'm out. I'm going on live and I'm going to tell the homies that you took out the, the goods. We was Listen, waiting because when I was talking, he was giving me all attitude and shit. You know, the teacher, <laughs> the teacher in me is like, "Don't fucking cut your eyes." How at old? Me. Are, how old was they? These are college students. They can't be nothing more than twenty-one. They're probably Damn. 19, 19 20. 20. They white, like you already know. This is not. It's not spring break. Calm down. This is right. This is not spring break. Like seriously, like just keep it down a little bit. It's it's getting it's ridiculous. But anyway, let's go ahead and chat about the holidays. I got my eggnog, except there's no egg in it, y'all. I'm vegan. Um, I, ooh, I see you got your. I was I looking. You, wine. So you had told me about that red wine, and I forgot what it was, and so I wanted to try something different. So I got this jammy red roux. Actually, the, the crazy thing is, is that um, Red Rue used to be my shit. That used to be really? my shit from Yellow. So yes, it did. That it's shit is good. Bad. I haven't it's had a bad. good red in a minute, but um, I didn't want something too dry. But if it's too sweet, I get a headache. Like, I feel like wine is one of those things that like, once you start building an acquired taste, you don't want it super sweet. 
you want to kind of like get different f- flavor profiles. Cause I started out with Moscato and I was like, yes, it gotta be Moscato. And then it was like, okay, that's too sweet. Maybe white Zinfandel. And then that was too sweet. But then I tried oh. Chardonnay and I was like, that's too much. And then there was a Merlot and then there was a pink Merlot. And it was just like, at some point I was on Shiraz and Chianti, which is the driest wine. And I was like, okay, well, this is giving SpongeBob out of water. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm still on the fence trying to find my wine, but my go-to drink is always going to be champagne. I love a good Prosecco. Mm, the bubbly the bubbly doesn't do well for my stomach. I have like a sensitive stomach, y'all, but I've been all over the map when it comes to wine. And I worked in a couple of restaurants um, right after college. So, you know, I'm somewhat of a wine connoisseur, but, you know, I feel like Australians make good wine. They? they make good Syrah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They make good Syrah and um, Shiraz, which is the same thing. I think they're just from different regions. Um, mm-hmm. But Yellowtail is from Australia and they make a good like cheap wine. And I feel like I, of course, everyone kind of starts off sweet and then you kind of work your way, you know, you work your way away from that. But I feel like in your 30s, you're you looking for easy drinking. So then you kind of mm-hmm. work your way back to yeah. the <laughs> Because it's like you don't want to work too hard, and you, you don't want to just open a bottle, pour it over a cup, and drink right. it. Right? You, you do not want to wake up with do Mm-mm. this, no. Or you don't want to have to wake up with like a dry ass throat, like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you don't want to have to dehydrated hangovers is the worst, and it usually you wake up like five, four o'clock in the morning. You remember that episode of SpongeBob where he was out of water and he's like, I don't need it. I don't mm. need it. He had his oh, pinky you up. You need it. You need oh, it. you need it. First you of all, did you, know, did you know that they came out and said that Sponge SpongeBob was on was like LGBTQ or something? And I feel like they put him Yeah, he I mean or kind of they put them on a, the uh, quote unquote asexual spectrum. I'm like, mm, yeah. So okay. the show is based a lot on marine biology. I'm pretty, I believe a marine biologist was a part of making the show. So there is a lot of biology puns in the show. SpongeBob is a sponge. Most sponges have both <laughs> male and female sexual organs, and most sponges are asexual because of that reason. So. It probably is like one of those implied jokes with the creators, you know, like how right. Disney has that A, what's the number? A7117 or A something. There's a number that shows up in every Disney movie. Really? Um, yeah. And it's actually the classroom of the students that they used to go to school together and they had their animation classes in that room. So ever since they started making movies, they all kind of put that number in their all of their Disney movies. But this it's like got a whole bunch of different like yeah. situations. Like at the beginning of Little Mermaid, it's like all the towers look like dicks. Like I don't know. There's like a couple different things that are like super weird. I know it's like one thing uh, during the Lion King. I think it's like grown up Simba is talking to Mufasa in the sky and he like slumps down and in the air and the dust. It's like the worst sex. It's like a whole bunch yeah, of yeah, yeah. It, it is a lot. It is a lot, and um, Disney just have really dark beginnings, but it all makes sense. Um, per the number, it was I looked it up. It was a one thirteen. It's hidden in all the Pixar and Disney movies. But I'm gonna have to look. The acquisition, the acquis Disney is an acquisition of folk tales. You know, Walt Disney went overseas, and he was in Germany. He has German background. He stole a lot of folklore that just was not recorded, and that folklore was not for 
kids. It was for adults. So what Disney does is they have this perfect formula where they make you feel like the hot three. They make you feel sexually aroused, afraid, and happy. Like the process, the the storyline of the Disney hap- they created that whole happy ending storyline situation. And it does follow a process of sexual arousal to climax because of all of those innuendos. So when they do add those little flares, it's just a little bit more noticeable because there is a sexual undertone to the cartoons. Like the original, some of the original cartoons were so explicitly inappropriate that they had to remove them. They had pictures, cartoons of ducks with penis erections. And it was very explicitly sexual and it was intentionally so it was for adults but it's coming from an era where cartoons and folklore and those stories those were things for adults they were not things for kids and the historical context of a cartoon the cartoons that were for kids were made to teach a lesson that's why your traditional cartoons have very grim styles of telling it it was meant to say if you don't follow the rules you're gonna die so the brothers grim yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that's why the Brothers Grimm, they have very harsh and graphic and almost scary-like cartoons because that's what they were designed to do. They were it's a warning. Of, yeah, it was a folklore for an adult to tell a child to teach them to be a certain way. It was never cartoons or child unsupervised entertainment, but Disney is just that old. People forget that. Disney is literally that old. Disney came, they was the first to do political cartoons before they were actually doing anything. It was comics and things like that. Disney is that old. So they embody <clears throat> pretty much everything we know about historical animation because a lot of the things that we know today, they created it. Um, and Disney is taking some steps to kind of refinish a lot of the context that they've had, they had a lot of racist context. They just started putting that disclaimer in their old movies that, mm-hmm. you know, some of these, these contexts are racist and damaging and outdated, um, blah, blah, blah. So it's just it's unfortunate, in, it but yeah, it's kind of yeah. like how we have America. Are we doing a little bit better as a country? Yeah. But our foundations are always going to be dark. Yeah. It's always going to be an undertone of slavery involved because that's what we were born of. You right. That's I mean? what we so. were built of. And you you would have to tear down the entire infrastructure for that to change. But then it's like, what do you have left? You know, and Disney and, ain't going to do that. Anybody going to do that? No. Disney not doing that. So they going to just. America ain't doing have. that. Yeah. Disney and America right now can be interchangeable in the way we're talking about it because ain't neither one of them going to do that. Shan, the world ain't doing that. <laughs> white, white America is white world. It's European. It's old money. It's colonization. It's, it's takeover. It they're not doing. Yeah. Nobody's. They're not doing that. They're you not know doing what? That. Y'all need to. Um, I have a book recommendation for all the listeners. It is a book called "The Myth of Race." And he goes and he traces back the history of the first men, the first European men to travel to Africa, to travel, you know, quote unquote, travel the world and categorize the people that they saw into races. And I think it really started with, it's funny you say, it started with a German man. 
So mm-hmm. it's pretty much full circle. And it's interesting that Disney is based off of that that German culture. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you guys are interested to see how all of this stuff started, the, the very foundation of our world, The Myth of Race is really an interesting book. And um, it's great to get it on audiobook too, because it really is chronologically like this philosopher you know started this in whatever year and then it goes to the next person and it it chronicles throughout history to to today and how we understand race and what it is and what the hell it isn't so anyway Mm -hmm. um that that subject is definitely a little grim but if you guys are Mm -hmm. interested in hearing more that book is a great place to start so yes yes but let me just uh jump into something that kind of what you were saying reminded me of like the public mindset and the influence of public mindset and how governing organizations have historically, especially dictatorships um, and in the media have have, um, historically manufactured um, senses of urgency, senses of hysteria, senses of panic, mass hysteria, and we see that that is used divisively to an extent. I think in the moment, it seems like just a gradual pro- progression, but divisively, I would not exclude Disney from the category of government manipulation of the people, the general public, mm. when it comes to just wanting everyone to be afraid, wanting to have this um, perception of a threat, wanting to have this perception of illusion and propaganda and stuff like that. And Disney's origins is dating back to that World War, I would, was World War One, World War Two. It's dating back to a time in global history where propaganda was it. Like pro- what you saw is what you believed. So a lot of his comics and things like that were actually anti-Semitic and he had ties with Hitler and the Nazi party because of which his business was kind of shaky, especially during the war. You know, his business was kind of shaky, but yeah, it's it's a lot to go into. There's a whole dark Disney rabbit hole that can be dove down. But to counteract that though, I want to bring some attention to our ability to think for ourselves and our ability to manifest the things in our lives that we want, manifest our beliefs and be the guardians of our own mind. Because ultimately, the information that you digest, that's on you. What's presented to you is out of your control, but what you digest is on you. And while ignorance can be bliss, it also can be a catalyst to become misinformed about the world or also just about yourself. So one thing I wanted to kind of like shed some light on is this principle called confirmation bias in which it says that we have a tendency of interpreting the the evidence of something based on the existence of old beliefs or any beliefs. So basically, if you tell yourself something your mind will then look for evidence to prove that what you told it was true. And that's where we get manifestation, but also just positive thinking and the power of positive thinking. One thing that I find myself doing a lot 
more now that I'm older. I don't know the same about you, but I'm very careful with the language that I use. Very careful. I'm very careful with the language that I use, what I speak over myself and other people, what I speak into existence. And I'm also very careful with the types of language I absorb. Like I'm careful with my music and careful with my conversations and just trying to protect my my own like sense of sanity. I don't know if that's the same for you, Shan. Yeah, because you know, it's it goes, it's like your words manifest your thoughts. And then what do you think happens with your words? Your actions manifest your words. And so I feel like with the confirmation bias thing, it's not even only what you say, it's what you do. Everything trickles down from your thoughts. And that also trickles down from what you ingest. Like you said, the things that you decide to take in, whether you know it or not, are things that a lot of times you end up spitting right back out. And when you say things, you make it true. Manifestation is a real ass thing. It really is. And I am very careful with my words. And like this is it's interesting because with dance, when you're about to do a performance, let's say you're in class and you're about to be recorded. Sometimes I see a lot of dancers and a lot of dancers that I know will say things like, oh, I know I'm going to mess up or you know, I think I'm going to fuck this part up. Well, you just spoke it and now you will, you know? And so I think it is very important to watch what you say, but I think that those things also start with your thoughts and the power of positive thinking is something that a lot of people underestimate. Agreed. It's important that we, we, I think that's something that we need to take with us into the new year that we need to police our thoughts. We police everything else. We quick to police somebody else's actions. Hello. We're quick to police what somebody else is wearing, what they said, who celebrities they on the internet, everything. We will police everybody's actions except for our own. Talk about it. Hold on. Talk about it. We will police every we will we have convinced ourselves that there's something wrong with everybody except for ourselves. But That's we're not policing the way that we think. We're not policing the way that we speak. We're not policing the way that we act. Why? Because we've justified it. We've already thought it and spoke it as that is our principle. So now we look for evidence to confirm what we already believe. And what's crazy is that we get to such a grandstand that we start to inflict our convoluted thoughts on other people and judge them for not thinking the way that we feel they should think or not behave in the way we feel they should be behaving because a part of us feels like if other people's not doing it, then maybe it is kind of wrong. I just exactly. was going to say that that's the way that's why you have to get rid of the ego. The ego, that ego is like something that can take on a life of its own. And Eckhart Tolle talks about this in his book. I think that, you know, we have to really check the fuck out of our egos. And that's really, really hard because we live in a world that checking your ego doesn't get you quote unquote anywhere. This is a world of social media. This is a world of, it's very, it's giving very show. It's giving very show and tell. 
with nothing really to back it up. You just have to show, but it's not really proving anything, if, if that makes sense. You know, when you have social media personalities, when you share your quote unquote world with people on social media, you're only sharing things that you want them to see. And they don't necessarily see the hard work. They don't see the things that you are doing to check yourself and to check your ego, if you're even doing that at all. And I think that the world that we live in doesn't promote checking your ego like that. And I feel like it's been very detrimental to our psyches. It's been detrimental to our growth as a collective because collectively we want to, we want to reach enlightenment. And I feel like it's, it's going to be a really hard thing if we don't let go of some of those confirmation biases and really sit back and think about the mistakes that we've made, the way that we live our lives, the things that we believe, the things that we say, and how they manifest into things that are actually realities in our lives. I'm I'm a thousand percent on board with that. I think that we do need to check our egos. Um, the the kryptonite to an ego is humility. The purpose, of, the sole purpose of the ego is to help you avoid humility. That's it. And we grow as people, but our psyche never does. Our psyche stays the same exact age that it's always been. Um, we grow new personalities to handle our psyche more. And we learn maturity and values and things like that. But our psyche stays exactly the same. Um for the majority of our life, if not all of it. Um, but yeah, humility. You got to not be afraid to be wrong, not be afraid to be self-humiliated. And through that humiliated humility, you allow yourself to take a step towards a new understanding or to try something different, a new path, a new supposition to say, well, maybe this can be possible. What I will say is that it took I don't know about other people, y'all. And, you know, when we drop this episode, make sure that y'all go on our Instagram and comment down below and let me know. But what I will say is that it took me a while to get to a place where I can approach humility. And it's because our egos are so fragile that we can't handle the challenge until we are in a safe zone. And once you're in that safe zone and you're feeling good and you're feeling strong, you're feeling independent you start to take self-accountability for the things from this point forward. And when you notice that things are not going the way that you wanted them to do, and you look around, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. So that's where it's like, okay, well, if I want to become better and if I want to elevate and become whoever I want to be and get to the next level, I do need a dose of humility. I do need to check myself and have a real conversation with myself and admit that there are some things that I'm doing that are wrong. There are some belief systems that I have that are wrong. I have done wrong things to people. And because of the way that I continue to think, I probably will do more wrong things to people. Something that drives the, the strength of the ego is like this perception of perfection. We have this idea that there's a Ooh. perfect way of being. There's a perfect way of doing. There's a perfect way of dressing, a perfect way of managing your finances. There's a perfect way of setting a boundary. There's a perfect belief. There is this perfect line. And we know that we're not perfect, but we will tell ourselves that we are taking perfect steps 
And those perfect steps are to not be questioned by anyone, including ourselves. You know what I mean? And that's unhealthy. That's how we find ourselves into these like cycles and habits and passing on these belief systems. I was just telling Sam, actually, shout out to Sam. She was on our episode two and three. We were talking too. We were talking about um, LGBTQ issues and diversity and things like that. And I told her, I was like, um, hate is learned. Hatred is learned. It's not natural. Absolutely. Love is natural. Absolutely. Love is instinctive. Hatred is learned. And we're taught to hate each other. But what we don't realize is that when you teach someone to hate someone else, you're secretly teaching them to hate themselves. And now they have to build fences and walls around that individual space. And so that's where the defense mechanism and the discrimination comes in because they have to target anything that's not like them. They have to target it. And it's always going to be that question, well, how much like that am I? You know, you taught me to hate this person because they're brown. And you said that brown people are this, 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 this. So now I have to also treat them that way because I don't want you to think that I'm comparable to them. I mean, look, that's ha that's like a big majority of the black community. There's so much internalized mm -hmm. racism against ourselves. And we know that. And I find, you know, that on the journey to self-love and my personal journey to self-love, I've had to accept the fact that perfection doesn't exist. And in order to reach self-love, it's, it's at the opposite end of the spectrum of perfectionism. And I definitely struggle with that disease. I suffer. And I will say that I am in remission. I'm definitely like on the recovery track, but perfectionism is something that does breed um, self-hatred because if what you're doing in your mind isn't on track, like you said, you're not taking the perfect steps, it leads to that self-hate and then it leads to you judging and hating others for also not taking those same steps. So that's something actually in 2021 that I've really, really tried to work really hard on and still am struggling with because it was a learned behavior. And I think that, and if you look, and here's another book, I'm like a bookworm, y'all. If you actually read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi X, he talks about the Black community and how around the 80s, the Black community started to talk about separating themselves from those other type of blacks or we're not like those type of blacks or you know what I'm saying they want to separate themselves from black people who they feel like are not good representations of the race quote unquote and I think that that was a huge divider in our community. And a lot of people always say, especially if you black, you know, like black people can't get it together. Black people can't stick together. We don't take care of each other. But I think that we were taught to hate ourselves. And so, and we were taught that during slavery. And I think it's manifested itself in so many different ways and it's infiltrated our very beings and our psyche. And it's going to be really, really hard to get away from that. But it's starts with self-love it really does that's what's up well let's let's jump into how we can make a difference you know um I was sitting up in my room the other day and thinking about new year's resolutions and I was like 
Do people still do New Year's resolutions? Is that something that y'all do out there? Look, do you do that bring chance? it back. I'm on a can it's look, this is the campaign. Bring back New Year's resolutions because I feel like, especially over the last couple of years, people have gotten extremely jaded because it's like New Year, new me. And people have really started making fun of people who say that because they feel like you say New Year, new me, but you really don't make those changes. But I think even just having the intention is really important. And having that intention is healthy. And the absence of that intention just means that you're okay with shit staying the same and that's being complacent and that's not okay so let's bring back new year's resolutions because i know i have a few do you yes, have some problems? i do i am a person that new year's resolution is such a big deal for me um i remember that's always just been my favorite holiday i don't know why I, something about being home my mother always had like these like weird superstitions, like we would make black eyed peas, we would have money, a dollar in our pocket to make sure that we come into the year with that. The black eyed peas was for luck. I think collard greens was for something too, like prosperity. I don't know, but it was just yeah, always really cool. Green. And it was also the only time that I got to drink out of a champagne glass, even though it was ginger ale. But my mother would buy us like a two liter of ginger ale and she, she would work overtime all the time. Like we rarely ever saw her, but for New Year's for some reason, no matter where she was or what she was doing, she would make sure she is home with us for the ball drop. Like, that's it. And there was one time she couldn't, and she made sure that my um, aunts went out and bought us the ginger ale and stuff so me and my sister could have our little toast. Like, we grown and stuff. But I've always liked the new beginning. And when I was in high school, I had made a resolution to, like, lose weight. And the way that I did it, I said that I was not, I was only going to drink like water for a year. I wasn't going to drink like any sodas and stuff. Cause y'all know high school and soda go hand in hand. They had that Sprite remix. From the machine, look. From Come the machine. On. <laughs> oh, but it's not even just sodas. They had, what did they have in the machine? They Fruitopias. Had, uh, fruit, you know those go hard. Fruitopias. Fruitopias, man. Yes. I will never forget the berry, the berry fruitopia. Yep, the purple one. Even yes. the red one. And the Fruitopia red one was the, the first. punch. They was the first one that came out with like a kiwi flavor situation, a green one. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I love this. And I wanted everything kiwi. That's how I wound up getting that kiwi color Game Boy. Like the Minute Maids. I was in it. Yes, the Minute, the Minute Maids. The Gatorades. Who was the lemonades? Who was the lemonade? Was it Minute Maid lemonade? It was Minute Maid lemonades. It was Minute Maid lemonades. Minute and y'all, Gatorade, don't be. I went to the dentist. <laughs> Uh-uh, it will rot your teeth. Don't do it. The dentist told me that Gatorade has just as much sugar, just as much sugar as candy. And so, like, but it don't taste like it. He was like, Don't do it. I have yet to have a cavity, knock on wood, but he was like, Don't do that. I was like, for real? He was like, for real. I was like, okay. For me, it oh, was man. the orange. It was the orange Gatorade. I will only drink because see, the orange Gatorade wasn't good, but it was good at breakfast and we would have at my school chick-fil-a like sponsored the whole county or something so like we would have chick-fil-a sandwiches and chicken biscuits in the morning and they would sell them i think it was like a dollar or something like that and i would get like a chick-fil-a chicken biscuit with like an orange gatorade like it was orange juice and i would just be yeah. having like i would be getting my life ask you have you ever actually bought snacks to school to sell them to make money 
that wasn't that wasn't my mission. I actually dated a guy. Um, shout out to my first um real boyfriend. I am not going to disclose his name on here, but he knows who he is. He actually he actually did not go to my school, but he was a hustler at his school and he sold all types of shit. And um, there was always that candy person, that person who sold snacks, that you know what I mean? There was always yeah, that person on the block. Okay. I always respected right. that person though. But that person Shout wasn't me. I was spoiled. Mm-hmm. My parents just gave me money. I didn't need to be selling shit. I but um, I wonder how much money. They probably was making some good money because honestly, all of that shit was hella cheap. You could buy a full box of, you know, chips and different stuff for a couple mm-hmm. dollars. But you selling them for like, you know, 50 cents a pop. Mm-hmm. Like that actually probably adds up. For yeah, real. you make a good amount of money. But um, so coming back to New Year's resolutions, I made that resolution. I kept it all year. And since then, I make New Year's resolutions. But I do my resolutions a little bit differently. I try to have like positive thought resolutions. So I will commit to doing 12 things I've never done before. Or I will commit to doing one big creative project before the year is up. Or I started not placing limitations on myself, but forced myself to explore new things or think outside the box or gain new understandings. The reason why is because winter is really not the time to be super self-critical. It's just, it's not, I, for me at least, it's, it don't stick. Like I, I need to, I feel like my birthday is a good time where I feel like it's a good space to kind of tell myself, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. I just, I don't find myself in the right psychology space to critique and say, I'm not going to blah, blah, blah. Winter is usually like a home stretch situation. We're all broke because we had Thanksgiving, then Christmas, then New Year's. It's cold outside. We're not social and bubbly. So we feel a little bit more isolated. It's not, um, it's just never been a good time for harsh criticism. You know, you it's not a good time. Down. Yeah, you, you already kind of feel down. down. You, got, you got them little extra pounds and stuff like you already feel kind of not great about yourself around that time. Um, yeah, whereas the spring the whole year, the whole yeah. year it's like a cumulative, like now you're starting to think about all the shit that went down in the yeah. entire year. You're starting to think like, damn, this is where I fucked up this you year. You already like, have disappointments. Yeah, you already feel disappointed on yourself. So more than likely, like if you're going to stop doing something that you ain't got no business doing, you're going to stop eventually, but forcing yourself to stop doing it at in January, it just, it, for me, it just never seemed realistic. But what does is setting these new explorative, exciting goals, which kind of turns the winter around for me. It makes me excited to do something every month, excited to try something new. So I definitely do that. I, I do that every year. Um, hmm. and I, those I always achieve. So one it's a just, month? Sometimes one a month or, yeah, I usually, I never really set more than 12, sometimes six. If it's something really important to me, I'll just do like two things. Like this past year, I wanted to become more spiritual and practice meditating. Hmm. And I've done that, you know, um, but that positive psychology works that way your brain doesn't comprehend negative action so when you say no or you say can't or you say stop or you say don't 
your brain doesn't really comprehend that action unless it's associated with some type of danger or threat. Mm. But when you say I am, I can, I will, those are, your brain comprehends that immediately and it starts to search for justification for that. So when I say I'm going to become more spiritual this year, that's my resolution. I become more spiritual that year. When I say I'm going to try 12 things that I've never done before, I don't have to actively think about doing that. I just find that I'm trying 12 things I never did before. And it's just a good way to kind of reinforce those great values and those great qualities and celebrate yourself. You have time to change. You have time to grow. But you know what? No matter how good or bad things are, you operate perfectly to the extent that you're able to operate. And when it's time to change, you'll change. You can't force it. But when it's time to change, you'll change. You will get sick of your shit. You definitely will. But you can't force it. Be like, from now on, I'm never going to uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. It don't work like that. You're going to do it until it stops working for you. And then you'll change. It seems like what you're saying is, is that the change has to be a little more gradual, a little more natural. And it also seems like it needs to have a positive spin on it. I also feel like a lot of the the things when we do make New Year's resolutions, we're like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like you said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Instead of putting it in the negative sense, you put it in the positive sense and say, I will do this. And I do think that words can manifest into actions a lot better when they're positive as opposed to negative. So any of the words, not, no, never take those out of your resolutions. Just, just take take them them out. out. Take them out. I talk to my clients about that all the time. I always say you can consciously and actively work towards a new goal, but you can't consciously and actively reverse 20 years of trauma. If you have ways about you that are not the best, more than likely at some point, those habits served a purpose and you're instinctively and defensively behaving this way. You can't tell yourself, I'm not going to be defensive anymore. That don't make no sense. Your defense mechanisms go hand in hand with your instinct to survive. The problem is just that you're still having habits that no longer apply to your new situation. You're reacting as if you're still in that old situation. So it takes some time. But if you focus your energy on actualizing this new situation and actualizing where you are and emphasizing strengths and things like that, the negative will erase it. So it'll take care of itself because what you're doing is you're allowing your your brain to process a new positive reality versus criticizing the way that your brain reacts to life, you know? And I'm not saying that there is no need to change. I'm just saying change has to be motivated by a positive force. There has to be a positive outcome. You are not capable of punishing yourself into change, especially when the punishment is just you saying that you're mad at yourself. So now you're going to have bad mannerisms and you're going to be depressed. Nobody wins. So... Unless your behaviors, undesirable, are connected to a very undesirable outcome, like something that is threatening or dangerous, instinctively, when it when that red light needs to switch, it's going to switch. And it's going to keep switching until that switch don't, doesn't work anymore. So what you can do is confirm that your environment is different 
and that you are safe and that you are great and that you are beautiful and that you are positive so that there's no need for your psychology to switch in defense mode when there's nothing for you to defend yourself against. Absolutely. You know, I actually, I had like a, a an epiphany moment similar to what you're talking about during the pandemic last year about how I handle the world, how I handle new friendships, how I handle being around a lot of different people. I feel like a lot of that was a direct product of how I grew up, what it was like being a dark-skinned female in an era where being dark-skinned was not in style. Mm -hmm. And I think that because of that, it severely dictated how I approach life and how I approach meeting new people. And I do it in such a defensive way. And I'm so closed off. And people who, you know, really know me, they're like, you know, Shen is not like that. She's actually not that type of person, but it takes me a long time to open up to people. And I had to really dig deep and try to figure out why that was. And it was the product of being hurt as a child and, and being shunned. And I think that that no longer applies. Mm -hmm. And I feel that because of that, it's something that with time, like you said, that switch just have to, has to go off, but it's not something that I can mm -hmm. force myself to do. The first thing that I had to do was realize where it came from and realize the root of it and, and, and realize that moving forward, it's not necessary. So I have to constantly remind myself until I don't have to remind myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that applies to so many things, not just being black, but like you said, your resolutions in general and the way you put it so eloquently, I, I now I'm thinking like, okay, so the, the resolution yes. that I have for next year are, I'm going to take that different approach. And I really appreciate mm -hmm. that, Rob. And Absolutely. I hope that you all got your little notebooks out. Yes, y'all get the notebooks. Notes. Yes. I hope you're taking notes on this because, you know, I never realized the way that we made New Year's resolutions in the past has been very judgmental and harsh on mm -hmm. ourselves. And we are holding ourselves to this perfectionism standard that actually does not exist. But mm -hmm. what we do need to survive constantly changes and, and we have to change with that and we have to adapt. And I think one of the resolutions that I actually have in 2022 is being more adaptable. And I think that it starts, it starts there. So I'm, I'm really excited about the I new year. I love that. Yes. And I hope that we all are excited about the new years. Even if your resolution is just as simple as remind yourself of something. Like everybody has a phone, you know, set a task that repeats every day, just a little statement to remind yourself of something. And it sounds silly, but you'll be surprised. Like that reminder is going to come up and you're going to need it one day. And you're going to be like, wow, you know? Set little reminders. Tell yourself things in the mirror. Make it a part of your um, morning routine that you you have a list of things that you say to yourself in the mirror. You know, building positive character is a lot easier and a lot more realistic than punishing a character that used to be positive but it doesn't work anymore. And when you tell yourself, "I'm not enough. This is not enough. I need to change. This is not good," you're telling yourself who you are right now is not enough. And that's a negative, that doesn't feel good. If anything, that's going to make you more defensive. It's going to put you more in that habit that you want to change. You know, give yourself grace. 
understand. I realized it wasn't the pandemic, but I remember there was like, I would say like four, five years ago, probably four years ago, um, I had come out of a serious relationship where I was engaged. I was going to be married, y'all. Could y'all, could y'all imagine? Like, yes. Can y'all imagine? I can imagine a little ring ring on that finger. Yes. Yes. More like a big ring. I can imagine a big ring. It was definitely a little ring. (laughs) It was a little ring. Okay. You keep (laughs) it on. That relationship went sour and it turned into something very toxic. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I was going into relationships and I realized like after two relationships later, that there was a pattern that didn't make sense. The first one, I was like, okay, we just met. I'm in love. Let's get married. Like in my head, it was like mad serious. But the second time it was exactly the same. And I had to sit to myself and be like, something ain't, the greens ain't all the way cooked on this one. How is it possible that you fall in love with two totally different people at the same exact speed? Mm. That don't make sense. So I had to, I was sitting in my room and I had to like really think about that. I was like, okay, so why, what, so number one, you write that sentence. This is what I want y'all to do at home. You have a problem with yourself, write the sentence down. I blah, 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 blah. So I wrote the sentence. I fall in love with different people at the same time. And I stood, stared at that sentence and I was like, why do I do that? And I kept asking myself until I came up with another I statement like, I'm afraid that people are going to leave me. So I crossed that sentence out. I wrote, I'm afraid that people are going to leave me. Then I stared at it. I was like, why do I feel that way? Like, that's not realistic, but why do I feel that way? How long have I felt that way? Have I always felt that way? And then I was like, why would somebody leave? What's the reason why you would leave somebody? Why would someone leave me? And then I was like, I don't think... I'm worthy of someone's time. Like, I think mm. it's a gift. So I crossed that out and I said, I'm not worthy of someone's love. And I was just like, where did this come from? And when you're tracing it, I was like, I, have I always felt this way? And I was like, I think I've always freaking felt this way. And it brought me back to my childhood. And I was like, I think I'm unlovable. So I crossed that out and I was like, I think that I'm unlovable or I am unlovable. I didn't say think. Your I statement has to be I am, I will, I won't. You can't do ambiguous stuff because your brain don't register that. And I just stared at that and I was like, I really believe that, don't I? Because once you get down to that I statement, you start not thinking about romantic relationship, but all your relationships, your friendships, anyone that you've met and stuff. And I realized that I was taught at a young age to believe that I was unlovable. And that's a broken record that plays in the background of my head that dictates every decision that I make in my life. It dictates how every single relationship will go. And so all I had to do was be like, but I am lovable. Okay. So you cross that out and you rewrite that statement. And then you look at the statement above it. I'm not worthy. Well, because I'm lovable, I'm I'm actually worthy. And then you go back up, like, I'm afraid somebody's going to leave me. But since I'm worthy, if you leave me, it's okay. Somebody else will find me worthy, you know? And you keep building that up. And from that point forward, I had a much more healthy approach to relationships. I was able to 
one, I don't want to say stand up for myself because I haven't, fortunately, I haven't been in a situation where I felt conquered in a relationship, but be able to say, these are things that I want in a relationship versus how can I please you? It's like, I don't need to be afraid that somebody's going to leave me because maybe I don't want you. Like maybe, mm. maybe I don't, maybe I want to leave you, you know? So it started like a whole new positive pattern of behavior that even today is still very real. And I'm like, now I can date and go into relationships and I don't have that urgency of like, oh my God, I have to make this work for the rest of my life. Cause it's the only chance I'm going to get. Right. No. I, and that's how you start to actualize yourself. I am this, I am that. And by using those positive statements and those positive realizations, that's all you need to replace the old realizations. You don't need to unbuild the whole house. Just change the foundation that the house is on. That's it. You know how to break down every single brick? Because all of that is a strength. It's just programmed in a bad direction. Just change the foundation. So let's say you're stubborn and you can't handle criticism. Oh, people, you're not going to say anything about me. I can't handle criticism. Okay, change the belief system that that foundation is on. Okay, great. So maybe you might make someone's great executive who you can handle criticism, but you channel that energy and that stubbornness in a place that is actually beneficial because you don't need it to survive for you no more. So just change the foundation. We all, one of the principles of NLP, and I love learning this as a practitioner, one of the principles of, of the practice is that humans operate perfectly. They sometimes just have faulty strategies. But every human operates perfectly to the point where they will change their system to adapt to what they need to adapt to in order to survive. Sometimes our strategies are just flawed. And sometimes we employ these firewalls and these antiviruses in situations where there are no threat. But that's just because that's how we've been programmed up to this point. So all we need to do is change the underlying belief and we good. So I want all of y'all to make y'all resolutions and, you know, be positive, be happy about yourself and celebrate who you are. Even if it's just like, I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk once a month, like do something that is achievable. First of all, don't be unrealistic because you want to feel good. Like you achieved that shit, you know, because it's going to make you want to do more. Don't put an obstacle in front of yourself that's too large to tackle. Do something small that's achievable so that you can build up that self-confidence and continue to do those things like that. But every year I set those resolutions like that. And I want y'all to do that. And yeah, comment on the posts for our Instagram post. Comment. Let us know what kind of positive resolutions are y'all going to make. Like, what are you committed to doing? What are you committed to um, improving or just growing or exploring? It could be anything. I'm going to try Thai food this year, you know, just because life doesn't have to be grim in order for it to be change. It doesn't have to be dark and punishment and negative for it to be a change and growth. Growth doesn't always have to be painful. You know, there's different two sides of every equation. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is, is that you can't trick your brain into doing anything. I think that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I tricked my brain into doing this. Or I like that's no. actually not a thing, because like you no. said, we are perfect. 
the way that we are. And I think that when you think about computers and how computers are actually made to model brains, actual brains, as opposed to, you know, we're in a computer generated world now, we're thinking that computers are the things that are perfect, but technology is actually imperfect and technology is always emulating the human brain. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we realize that it's kind of like an amazing thing. And so I think I'm pretty much done trying to trick my brain into to doing mm -hmm. something. You actually have to do the work. You have to do the work and you have to get down to the root. Like you said, the foundation of mm -hmm. the reasons why you do the things you do before that you can change them mm -hmm. because it's not going to make sense to your brain. Your brain is not going to say, I have to change this, but why? You have mm -hmm. to get down to the reason why. And that, that made so yeah. much sense. So thank you so much for like yeah. elaborating on that, Rob. Of course. Giving us, give it. It's giving Dr. Rob tease. Like, give it, give it, give it. It's giving, give it's it. giving Dr. <laughs> Rob and we absolutely love it. So look, get those New Year's resolutions in. This is the mm -hmm. Bring Back New Year's Resolutions campaign. The yes. Bridge Millennial Podcast is 100% for it. And let us know some of your New Year's resolutions and we can all like share that responsibility. We will give you support and in turn you can give us support because we have them too yes. and make sure that you send us some voice notes we really want to hear from you on this one do. yeah and we will see y'all in the new year yes happy new year guys all good vibes all good things we absolutely want to see you in 2022 we have some amazing things in store for you and i'm sure you have some amazing things in store for yourselves okay, okay. so you do that y'all do that <laughs> And we're going to yes. see you on the other side. This is Shannon Ashlea for the Bridge Millennial Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Shannon underscore Ashlea. Yes. And you guys can follow me at Jess Rob's World. And um, yeah, tell us what you think. We can't wait to hear your thoughts. Happy New Year. Bye, guys. Bye bye.